Let me remind you again, the author was none other than the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The same Apostle Paul who had persecuted Christians and was able to receive salvation through Jesus Christ, the one that he had persecuted. Uh, this particular book was written, we believe, in the years 54 to 56 AD and happened on Paul's third missionary journey. And Paul would have written this book from Ephesus uh, where he basically was camped out and ministering for a period of three years. And, of course, we see that referred to in Acts chapter 20. Verse 1 states, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. The church of God, it was written to the church of God at Corinth. And as we mentioned last week, we're the church of God at Pleasant Union. We're the church of God at this localized place. But we are the body of believers because, again, the church is not a building. The church is not a series or a grouping of buildings. The church is alive. It is not an organization, but an organism. And let me say this, my friends. <coughs> Again, I, I have some issues with someone who can say, I love Jesus, or I'm a Christian, but I do not love his church. I think there may be a lack of theological insight there, or maybe they've had some bad experiences in the past, and they're, they're letting those bad experiences get in the way of the truth of God's word. Because the church is important to Jesus Christ. You might say, Pastor, how important is the church to Jesus? Well, I'm reminded of how important the church is to Jesus in a, in a passage that uh, we often look at related to marriage and, and uh, issues of the family. None other than Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and following where the scripture indicates husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her, to the church is the reference here, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The church at Corinth had many issues. As we will see even in chapter 1 as we move forward, there were divisions and schisms related to pastoral leadership. But that's not the only issue we'll look at in the, this great book. For the church at Corinth, 
had issues related to church discipline. People that needed, uh, a man in particular, that needed to be removed from the body. There were issues at, at Corinth that related to Christian liberty. In other words, how free are we in Christ? When we have freedom in Christ, say on a particular issue, what happens when that freedom begins to impact other believers? How do we deal with those kinds of situations and circumstances? They were divided as well on issues of marriage and divorce and possibly even singleness as well. Most certainly at the church at Corinth, they were divided with issues related to spiritual gifts. And that'll be an interesting study when we get to that particular part of the book as well. But you know, by the time 1 Corinthians is over, we come to 1 Corinthians 15. And we see a chapter whose main theme is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. That was Corinth. What about Pleasant Union? Location. You know, in real estate, there, there's three words, right? Location, location, location. Location. Well, you see, the church at Corinth was sort of like the capital of that province, so to speak. Had those natural harbors. Had a diverse ethnic makeup. But... It was an area that was known for being very sinful. In fact, at Corinth, you had that temple where false worship was taking place, where it is stated that there may well have been over a thousand temple prostitutes that were there. So, so we see in Corinth ungodliness. We see sin abounding. Now I'm thankful as far as I know there's no temples in this greater area like that as far as I know. Thank the Lord, right? Well, let me tell you this. Every kind of sin or issue in all likelihood that was faced at Corinth we could find in the surrounding areas around here one way or the other. And might not have to go too far to find it. Okay? And most certainly we can find it in the United States of America in various places. But in the midst of that culture, in the midst of a high level of sexuality contrary to God's word, in the midst of perversion, the gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed. Lives were touched. People were saved. And there were radical differences.
And no matter where you look and think is the most sinful area in the United States or the world today or whatever else the case may be, let me tell you again, God can change those people. And He does it through individual believers, yes. But He does it through His church. He does it through His church. For, for you see, there's ministry here today. Many of you have taught Sunday school classes. Uh, others of you have helped set up and, and, and even have the time of, of fellowship again for our, our breakfast and, and our time together out there this morning. Uh, many of you have done different kinds of ministries, even, even taken up the offering and those that are counted. Ministries taking place here today. But the good news about the church and the body of Christ is this. Ministry goes beyond these walls. For you see, this morning at 7.30, the reason why I went to a home was because, thank goodness, I was able to. I'm, I'm not God. I can't be at every place at every time. Only he can, right? Amen. But I was able to this morning. I didn't know when that person would die when I got the call. But it came as a result of one of our members. One of, one of our members who called and asked, today can you come? He may well be close to death. I'd never seen this person as far as I know ever. And then one of our members stayed there to minister instead of being back here, which I perfectly understand this morning. It's the ministry of the body of Christ. God calls us again in this life to be His hands and His feet, so to speak, to do His ministry. The church of God is alive. It's alive. And the ministry takes place through you. Those of us here today are His believers that have our faith and our trust in Him. His ministry takes place through us. Are we a church that, uh, you know, is like, like Corinth? Well, not in every way, but some ways. No, we do not share that same location, but we will share some of the same issues. For you see, there's always the possibility of having issues such as they faced in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and following of division and preference and things like that in the life of the church. Those issues come up. They came up at Corinth. They will come up here. They probably, again, I know have come up in the past because we're human beings. But in the midst of that, let's remember that we're here not to satisfy our own needs. We're here to worship the living Savior. We're here to glorify Him. We're here to praise His holy name. That's what the church is all about. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So from those first two verses in the introduction, we, we go to a verse where you say, well, I've seen similar verses to this and Paul's writings before. And the answer is, if you said that, to then say, I say you're spot on. Yes, you have. To where in verse 3 it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a greeting. 
How do you greet people? Do you walk up and say hello? It's good to see you. Are you a person that, that immediately when you greet someone personally, you extend your hand? Or if it's someone you know for a long time and you know they're a hugging person, you know well, may, you may well have to give them a hug, right? You may give them a hug. You, you know, it's, it's one of those things, how you greet people. Writing is a, becoming a lost art in our society and culture. Remember in Paul's day, I mean, these, these were, remember, backward people back then. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have email. They couldn't text. They didn't have Facebook, all these kinds of things, all the different kinds. You know, they were, Paul was not on Twitter. I haven't seen him on Twitter, have you? I don't think he was on Twitter. My goodness. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, more times than one, Paul would greet the churches this way. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Now, now I could easily just, just quickly run, run over this and say, yes, remember grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. Aren't you thankful that we're saved by grace? But think about these statements and these quotes and let's reinforce again how important grace is. You know, since I've been back here as pastor, I have stated this numerous times on a Sunday morning. Other than the name of Jesus, my favorite word is grace. It's grace. Grace. Grace and peace. Grace. Donald Gray Barnhouse said, love that reaches up is adoration. Love that reaches across is affection. Love that reaches downward is grace. Love that reaches downward is grace. A.W. Tozer said, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. We've got that famous song, don't we? A lot of people's favorite hymn is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Written by John Newton, that famous slave trader involved in that despicable act of buying and selling human beings. What a despicable act. It was said that later on in John Newton's life, he was asked about a particular verse of Scripture. And that happened to be 1 Corinthians 15.10. We won't go there now, but uh, the good Lord will, and hopefully we'll make it to 1 Corinthians 15.10. But it says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Paul was speaking, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Now, John Newton had, had this bad background, very sinful background. Is there anyone else in here who has a sinful background? Yes. Yes. Maybe we haven't traded human beings, but we have a sinful background. John Newton was asked what that verse actually means, and he is reported to have said the following. 
I am not what I ought to be. How imperfect and deficient. I am not what I wish to be. I abhor what is evil and I would cleave, cleave to what is good. I am not what I hope to be. Soon I shall put off immorality, all sin and imperfection. Yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, or what I hope to be, I can truly say that I am not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan, and can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Are you thankful for his grace today? That you can acknowledge this by his grace. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The peace of God. And of course, my favorite analogy always would be the storm analogies as those storms come, God can say, peace be still. Let me say this. It's not just a crisis in life because I have a certain peace in my heart and life based on what Jesus did for me in saving me. He's brought peace in my heart. Has he brought peace in your heart as well? It's a result of his saving touch. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, what, how beautiful. The Lord Jesus Christ. When I think of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think of everything those, those three words mean. He's the absolute authority. He is the sovereign. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is the Messiah. He is everything and more that those words convey. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 states, I thank my God always concerning you for the, again the grace of God. He's thankful again for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. He, he didn't come and say, I've given you this grace. And let me say this. The church does not convey sacraments of grace. The church does not do that. Jesus is the only one that can extend grace. It is His grace that is given. I thank my God always concerning you by the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything in all utterance and all knowledge. In other words, they were enriched. They were built up, so to speak, in all utterance and knowledge. Utterance has to do with the issue of speaking. Many commentators believe it's actually tied into the spiritual gifts that will be discussed 
and, and brought up later on again in this fine book. But let me say as well, this issue of utterance ought to be something we take seriously. Because through our words, through our speech, we have the opportunity to share a testimony. We have the opportunity to share what Jesus Christ can do and what He only can do. For example, my encounter this morning at 7.30, and, or that was actually 8.30 when I got there, 8.30 and followed. First time for me to ever see that man or lay eyes on him, so to speak, as far as I know. As far as I know, it's been close to a week now since he has spoken. So he's laying there. In all likelihood, some of his life's minutes or hours or days, only God knows that. What do you say to a person like that? They're laying there. Can, can they hear you? You don't know. But you have to believe they can. You have to believe they can. Told him Jesus was the only way to eternal life. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus would take his heart and give it to him. And I hope and pray he's done that in the past. Hope and pray he has. You see, I don't know that for sure. Because I've never had a conversation with the man. But I can give an utterance. I can verbally share that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes into the Father except through Him. He's our only hope. Salvation is in Jesus. Or you see, when someone is in a situation like what I encountered this morning, and of course in ministry we've encountered that or similar things many, many times over the years. But you see, the situation there, you know, there, there's no need for me to try to discuss uh, what did you accomplish in life. Were you successful? What do you have in your bank account? No. No. You see, then it comes down to what really, really matters. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend it? That's all that really matters, isn't it? Everything else is secondary, my friends. Some of those things may have been good God blessed us with along the way. But where are you going to spend eternity? I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. 
that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. The testimony of Christ confirmed in his people. Is it a warm, fuzzy feeling that the apostle is speaking of here? I don't think so. But there is that confirmation of the Holy Spirit that we're children of the living God because our faith and trust is not in anything we've done but everything He has done. That confirmation. Verse 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The focus here again happens to be on the issue of spiritual gifts, I believe. But again, anytime we think of spiritual gifts, let me remind you of this. And strangely enough, or interestingly enough, in our men's discipleship, again, we happen to be on a chapter dealing with, well, the church, but also the church as it relates to spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not given by the Holy Spirit for us to be effective. Spiritual gifts are proud of ourselves or anything else are given to build up the body of Christ and to glorify God. That's why we, we receive spiritual gifts. And that spiritual gift or more gifts come at the point of salvation. Spiritual gifts. They were blessed in Corinth in so many ways, even though they had many issues. For he says that you come short in no gift. All the gifts that were necessary were there eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gifts point us to the Savior, His revelation. There should never be a time that we have a worship encounter at Pleasant Union that one way or another, you're not pointed to the Savior. You need to be pointed to the Savior ever, every single time. No exception. No exception. That's what's happening here. Verse 8 says, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Confirm you to the end. The book of Ephesians talks about the sealing again of the Holy Spirit. In other words, for the true believer, it's signed, sealed, and delivered, so to speak. It's a finished work. We're this side of glory, but it's a finished work confirmation again that comes by God and what is it based on again God is faithful verse 9 great is thy faithfulness oh we've sung about it we've proclaimed it he is a faithful God what are some other things that I stated in passing to the man this morning not knowing again if he was hearing or not that receiving Jesus means he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to turn his back on you and go the other direction. Some of you here today may have given up on Jesus, but let me tell you this, he hasn't given up on you. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? He hasn't given up on you. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And he will be faithful to the end and forever and forever and forever. 
To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Could it be you're in this place today and you're unsure in your heart whether you really know Jesus as Lord and Savior? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come to Him today. Come to Him today. Come to Him today. Those of us that are believers need to be praying for those, again, those utterances, those divine encounters. I encountered a man Friday, which again, I think is the first time in my eyes I'd ever seen this man, and we ended up in a conversation. Told me, told me before he's over, he's 73 years old. And he's struggling now with his wife who has Alzheimer's. And I believe God just put me in the path to try to give him a few words of encouragement. That God's strength is there. Not through, it's not easy. No, I didn't minimize that. Because that had been a false gospel. It's not easy. But let me tell you this, the strength of God is sure. His faithfulness is sure. His grace is sure. He's there. And as that man gave testimony to Jesus Christ, we acknowledge again that God is in and working in this situation. And no matter what situation you bring to this place today, to the body of believers today, let me tell you this, God is working. And He wants to work. He wants to work again through you. He wants to use you. Will you pray for a fresh feeling of His Spirit today? Will you pray as we've looked at in previous weeks for His wisdom today? Pray for His grace today. He'll give it. He'll give it. Come to Jesus today. We call our worship team forward at this time. And I pray again that the Holy Spirit will search our hearts. And He'll do His business as only He can do for His praise, His honor, and His glory. Congregation, please stand.